What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode 11 of The Baseline. I'm here, Eddie Montanez, and I'm back with Zach Zavonchik, and our special guest today is Mike Pupo. So we're going to start off today talking about the Padres extending Manny Machado for 11 years, $350 million. And I definitely do think that the Padres, uh, I mean, I think Manny deserves this. I don't think $350 million for 11 years is like a big, like, it's a big, like, they're swinging. Like, they're swinging for the fence on this one because they got to re-sign Soto and they got to try and re-sign up uh, Soto and – I'm trying to think of the other big name they have. Soto. I don't know what Tatis is doing oh, for – yeah, Tatis. Yeah, I don't know. Tatis? Yeah, Tatis. I don't know what they're going to do with paying Tatis to Soto. I saw that Manny Machado said that they hope – that he hopes that they – uh re-sign Soto for a lot with Tatis I saw a lot of rumors that he was going to be traded so I do think that in the long run I don't think they're going to end up paying him I do think that when Tatis is time to be a free agent comes he's going to want to be a free agent and see his options what do you guys think I mean I I'm glad to see Manny staying in San Diego I mean I think that's a good move for them he's solid third solid third baseman I mean good bat good fielding yet I mean, 11 years, as long as he keeps playing to the to the standards he is now, to the level he is now, um, I think it's going to be a good signing. I know we talked about last week about he was asking for 10-year, $400 million or something. I, I'm i surprised they gave him that much for, for 350 but I mean, I guess I guess they see it in him. I, mean, I think they have, you know, they have a lot of uh, high expectations for him, but uh, – I don't know. I think I think it'll work out for him. Now I'm glad to see he's staying in San Diego. Yet, uh, to be honest with you, like, didn't he sign that? Uh, was it with ten years before this one? He signed no. that big contract, Machado. No, he had a. He was on the Dodgers before, and then he signed for I think like four years with them. Yeah. Yeah. Years. And then yeah, but um, I mean, eleven years, three fifty, forty-five of it for a signing bonus, which is ridiculous but also at the same time like you said they have to sign a lot of guys and like his his contract's fully guaranteed so i mean if they have to sign tatis or you know soto again and then you know the whole situation with everybody else who's they're they're probably going to be one of the best teams in the league like for sure and machado is arguably a top three top five third baseman and uh, I think it's a good deal just because, like, I mean, who, who else really are they going to get at third base if he's not playing? You know what I mean? Like, I, I would take I would take Machado for 11 years, 350. If the Mets ever decided to do that, I'd have absolutely no problem with that. We don't even really have a third baseman. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, fully guaranteed, that's a lot of money, and if they end up ever letting go of Tatis or anybody, I mean, it's just it'd just be messed up, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I think I think Dodgers will have a hard time letting go of Tatis. I, I think they're gonna ask a lot for him. He's gonna get more than three fifty. Yeah, especially being as young as he is. Yeah, that yeah, especially with that, he, he'll he'll probably end up getting around four fifty five hundred. 
something like that. I thought Tatis just signed a deal with them like last year, two years ago. Might have been two years ago for like 14 year. I think I think they just signed him to something. I think they uh, I think they did sign him for actually something big before, but I'm but I saw things that they wanted to trade him. Like I don't yeah. know why they would sign him for such a big contract, but yeah, I mean, if they're gonna, if they're even gonna though, trade like, him, that'd be different. But I know they did sign him for like 13 years, 14 years, like, 340. I'm not even a big Machado fan, like personally wise, but I mean he he's worth he's worth 11 years, 350. He hasn't really ever had major injury problems or anything, so. I mean, I, I can't stand Machado personality-wise, but I mean, his yeah. playing, like his ability to play, I mean, he is definitely one of the best third basemen. I definitely right think now. that Machado is th- – this is a big signing for the Padres. Like, I definitely do think that they have to keep Soto over Tatis just for the plain fact that Tatis is injury-prone and Soto is arguably the best hitter in baseball when he's hot. So I definitely do think that keeping Soto is next big priority for them. I don't know what the pitcher's contract looked like. I know that they just signed you for a good bit, so I know they have him for a while. I don't know about Musgrove or Snell's contract. But I definitely do think that Soto is the next priority for them. Tatis, yeah, he's Fernando Tatis, but we all know he's injury prone. Uh, he has not been looking good in the outfield. His his position is shortstop, but they just got Xander Bogart. So Tatis is going to be playing the outfield. And we know that he's had some struggles out there. So we don't know what's going to happen. And I do think that if he's out there, their outfield is one of the probably one of the worst outfields in the league, honestly. Even though hitting wise, yes, but fielding wise, Soto's a liability out there. And Tatis is obviously a liability out there, too. Grisham's the only one in the outfield that I think could man it down down there perfectly fine. So I definitely do think that they're, the Padres' bats are looking really good, but uh, and their infield's looking good. Obviously, Manny Machado is arguably a top one to uh, third baseman in the league. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, but definitely the Padres are going to be one of the most dominant teams in the league, like Mike said, and the National League is going to just have to just try and beat the Padres, I guess. The National League stacked this year, but the Padres lineup is looking real good. So I definitely think that uh, the Padres got a good one on this one. Yeah, and you were saying about about their bats. I mean, they, they do have a lot of really good power bats. They have a lot of guys that can really hit and crush the ball. I mean, obviously Juan Soto can crush the ball when he's hot. Tatis has a good bat when he's, you know, playing. I mean, obviously Machado's a good hitter. But you can only do so much hitting-wise if your fielding sucks. So, I, I mean, I think that's just going to be an issue for them. It's just going to be their fielding this year. Because I already they, saw they, Soto's, Soto's not off to a good start fielding. They do have a, they do have a good uh, pitching lineup, too. They got Michael Walker and stuff and, you know, Blake Snell and Musgrove and stuff. So, yeah, I, I think the, pod, the Padres are going to be tough. Padres are going to definitely be tough. And like last year, I was more upset than anything that they just basically destroyed us in the first round of the playoffs, Ed. But I mean, at least this year, there's so many good teams in the NL, like with the Mets, the Dodgers, the Phillies, the Braves, the Padres, like who, who all those teams, you know, are going to be there. And, you know, you can never really count out the Cardinals either. Like, you know, the Cardinals are always right there. So, 
it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting. And like now, now like they have to sign a couple guys after this. But I think I think they made the right move signing Machado. All right, now we're going on. Uh, Joe Musgrove fractured a toe uh, injury during a gym workout, and he's expected to miss a couple weeks. Uh, I don't really think this is going to be a big deal. I think he'll be back by March 30th. Like, he obviously is not going to pitch spring training probably, but I definitely think that if he uh, – he's going to rehab it probably, just do a lot of, con like, conditioning to get back in uh, full gear to start the season. So I definitely think this isn't a big deal for the Padres, especially since they have you Darvish, Blake Snell, and signing Michael Walker is also really big, as Mike said. Yeah, I mean, a pitcher breaking a toe, I don't think's the end of the world for them. I mean, it depends on if it's if it's on his plant foot. But, I mean, I don't think breaking a toe is really going to affect his comeback anytime or anytime soon. I mean, I think it should be a pretty routine, you know, IR stint. Yeah, because Joe Musgrove, we we see how dominant he is when he's in full effect. Game three against the Mets, he dominated them. So I definitely think that with their rotation, if he – well, I think he is going to come back healthy opening day, but I think he's the number three or number two for them. So he's not going to pitch opening day anyway. But I think that uh, when he's when he's back from uh, – when he's back from doing whatever he's doing to help rehab from this toe, I think he's just going to be as dominant as he was. And then I think the Padres are going to be, as we said, talking about Machado. They're going to be a big problem in the NL East. And not in the NL East, but in the National League. I just think, I mean, you know, they signed him to a five-year, $100 million deal in August, um, which is good because he's he's not, like, an elite, elite pitcher. Like, if you're talking, like, people like DeGrom or, like, you know, Garrett Cole or, like, all these other guys. But, like, he's a very solid – like good could he could be great like a really good pitcher so i mean he had a 293 era last year he was 10 and 7 but you know how how it used to go with degrom and stuff it's like we would never get hits for him the guy would have like a sub one era and it's like we'd lose he'd have a, a losing record like it, it's ridiculous but his his toe i don't think is going to be that much of an issue because it's it's still early in the season so with the whole spring training thing, I don't think they're going to pitch him much during at all, maybe for the rest of spring training. Once he's able to, you know, come down on that foot, you know, because that's what that's his landing foot, right? I don't I think it's his left. It's his left toe. So, like, yeah, like once he's able to, like, you know, go through his wind up and come out and and be able to, to plant on that foot on the on his delivery. He'll be back in action. They'll they'll probably just you know throw him in like bullpen sessions or like you know go through like rehab session sessions with him. But uh, I I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal because like I said, it's early in the season. Even if this happened in like May or June, he would still have time to recover for this for like the end of the season and, and playoff time. So like I I think by the time the regular season comes around, you know he'll be ready to he'll be ready to go basically and uh and that's huge for them though too like i said they do have like really good pitching with snell and now with walker and all that stuff you know musgrove is a big piece of that though like he's he's not their number one uh obviously you darvish is but he's definitely their number two and he could be a number one on a lot of teams in the league mm -hmm. but i don't i don't think that toe is going to do anything i mean it's it 
it's more about just the the landing on the foot part and like being able to go through your pitching delivery more than more so than if somebody had like a an arm injury as a pitcher you know that's obviously way more significant so yeah i don't i don't think that's going to really affect the padres or him in any way yeah and i think too i mean worst comes to worst if he's not ready for opening week or is, you know first start of the year yeah. i still think the the line or the rotation i mean i still think they're able to hold their own until he's till he can come back for sure. scenario. <clears throat> Gavin Lux tore his ACL during the spring training game, and he's going to miss. He's going to miss the 2023 season, and Miguel Rojas is expected to play a big role at short. Uh, Miguel Rojas was going to start at third for them, and Gavin Lux was their second baseman last year. But obviously, losing Trey Turner, he's going to have to go to short. I'm not 100% sure who's going to end up playing second or third now since uh, Lux is going to – I mean, not Lux, Rojas is going to be moving to third to short. But I definitely do think losing Lux is a big part of the Dodgers lineup and their defense. Like, Lux didn't have a great year last year, but he's definitely a big piece in that Dodgers uh, lineup. I mean, I – I think I saw. I think I saw something. They were gonna possibly put uh, Rojas and then Vargas in for the infield. I don't know how true that is yet, but no. I mean, Ga- losing Gavin Lux to the Dodgers this year, that's, I think that's really gonna hurt them because I think they were expecting him to be their, you know, year year long starter at shortstop. But like you said, losing Trey Turner too, I think that's gonna affect them with moving people around. I know Rojas, he could play pretty much anywhere and play anywhere pretty well. But, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it's it sucks to see him go down this early in the season because he had, he didn't have a bad season last year. I mean, he's definitely looking promising. So, I think this is really going to suck for them and for him to miss the whole season. Yeah, and I def, and they basically – I mean, Max Muncy will probably play second because Freddie Freeman's obviously going to play first. But last year, I mean, they lost their third baseman to Justin Turner, even though he's going to be the DH for the Red Sox most likely. Yeah. But, yeah, they lost their third baseman too. So, that infield really lost a big – like a lot of big pieces for them. And now that Gavin Lux just tore his ACL, like we have no clue what – this Dodgers infield, the left side, the the who's going to play third base for them? I know they could put Muncy at third too, but I, I, they might they might just put Vargas at yeah, third. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think Muncy's quick on it, like quick on his feet for the. No, especially especially how he played last year. I don't think they're really going to try to rely on him as much as they used to. I just, I feel like you know Gavin Lux, he didn't have like a great year last year. He still played, I think, 129 games or something like that, and he batted 276 with like six home runs. But he even had, I think, 42 RBIs like in that span of, you know, 129 games or whatever. He, you know, he still he still played good. But um, like like Zach said, you know, losing Trey Turner, which sucks because now he's in the Mets division, which is absolutely just annoying. Like, that's a huge loss for them. I mean, Trey Turner still has a lot of good baseball in him, a lot of great baseball. And uh, I think the Phillies hit a home run by signing him, you know, to a long-term deal. But as for uh, Justin Turner, like, why why is he only going to be a DH? Because Devers is at third. That's right. 
but I, Justin Turner, that's one of the biggest, one of the biggest as a Mets fan, like one of the biggest losses like we ever had because, you know, David Wright was getting old and he was always hurt. He had a back injury. And, I, and Justin Turner there the whole time, it was like, you know, like we have something good here. And we ended up losing him, went to L.A., did good. You know, I, I think Justin Turner is one of the better third basemen in the league, too. And he definitely can hit. So, I mean, even just being a DH, he's going to contribute with Boston, you know, pretty big time. But they just signed Devers to a huge deal, so... Who knows on that? But I mean, I don't think the Dodgers are going to really lose a step without Gavin Lux. I mean, I saw the video of him running the third, and like his his, his knee went in like a crazy position. Like it it got his foot got stuck in the ground. His knee went the com- completely opposite way. He basically rolled to third base. But I mean, I I don't think they're going to miss really anything without him i mean he would be a helping factor and then like maybe making a long run in the postseason but you know how the dodgers are every year they they end up having arguably if not the best record in the league every year get to the playoffs somehow blow it they won the world series and it was 2020 the year of covid but like how many games were even in the season at that point 60 something i think yeah yeah, I mean, and, and even growing up, you know, seeing the Dodgers and all that stuff, like it always seemed like they had the best record and the best team in the league, and then they just get to the playoffs and blow it. So I don't I don't think that I, – I still think the Dodgers are going to probably win somewhere between, obviously, another like 90 to 105-game season, which they basically are good for almost every year. But, uh, yeah, with, with Gavin Lux out, like that's – I don't think that's going to be – that because they might lose a couple games throughout the season just because like maybe he's not in the lineup or whatever but i don't think it's going to be significant enough for them like to lose that division they're, they're going to win that division i also think it's more i think losing him was more or less they were just trying to find and get him comfortable of being you know an every game starter they were trying to get his confidence up get him some reps you know kind of keep him they were i think almost relying on him to be that guy for them but obviously they can't do that anymore to share with him. They would have kept Boniel Cruz. He would have been their shortstop. But my 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 take on uh, Miguel Rojas literally is like, you know, he's he's a guy you could basically plug in sort of around the infield, you know. But he's uh he's not he's not going to be great. He has a ceiling, uh, which he he could get. He could probably bat like I don't know, maybe two anywhere between 230 to 250 if he's lucky, like 260 on a good year. I don't think he's going to hit that good. But you, you could plug him in on an any-day basis when needed in the infield, like at multiple positions. So, like, it's a good utility guy utility guy to have, just like uh, Luis Guillorme. I mean, like, with the Mets. I mean, he's someone you could literally plug in wherever need be if somebody's hurt or, like, whatever's going on, and, like, he's going to produce at least at some point. I don't think those two guys aren't going to be great, but like they have a ceiling, but they're they're good. Now we're going to go on. To, uh, there's many young prospects doing really good in spring training right now. Ronnie Mauricio from the Mets, his first two at bats, he hit two absolute moonshots. So I definitely think that Mauricio is going to be a big part of the Mets system. Hopefully they don't end up trading him in the long run. 
uh, Beatty. I think that Beatty is probably going to be the Mets opening day third baseman. I love Eduardo Escobar, but I definitely do think that Beatty's probably the better option there because the kid could swing the bat really good and his defense is stellar. So I definitely think that Beatty's going to end up being our opening day third baseman. And I, uh, I think that Vogelback's going to end up being the, the DH for when righties are pitching and then maybe Escobar will be the DH for when lefties are pitching and then when and then probably trade Escobar uh when the trade before the trade deadline comes the trade deadline comes for maybe another bullpen arm. <clears throat> but I see a lot of young prospects hitting nukes, a lot of good prospects running around the base is good. Like I seen Volpe swipe two bags yesterday. Jordan Walker hit a ball like four hundred twenty feet for the Cardinals. Some De La Cruz guy who's like 6'8 for the Phillies hit a nuke. So, like, I definitely do think the future of the MLB is honestly in really good hands. Like, Wander Franco's first at-bat, he went yard. Soda went three for five his first uh, first game. Like, the future is going to be insane. Like, I think a lot of teams have really good young prospects. I'm not sure, like, how the athletics look or, like, how the Nationals look with their prospects because I don't really think anyone gives a shit about them. But – a lot of teams are looking really good and promising. Yeah, you were saying about the Mets prospects. I mean, the Yankees prospects are looking good this year too. I mean, Jason Dominguez comes up and hits an absolute shot. I mean, I, I was excited to see him play. I was excited to see him come up. So, I mean, it's, it's fun to see him, you know, come up, get some reps, really make a name for himself. And Volpe, you said, came up, swiped two bags. I mean, he's hitting good. I don't know. I mean, I like a lot of the prospects coming up for the Yankees. I think I think the Yankees are going to have a good good infield outfield the next couple of years. I mean, I'm I'm can't wait to see them come up. There's there's a there's one guy that I was I was going to bring up, uh, Mauricio, or however the hell you say his name. Anyway, I was going to bring up one guy though that has been actually doing good. And he was drafted in 2011 with the Phillies, uh, Roman Quinn. He has three home runs, you know, he's two home runs in the same game, which, you know, could have been lucky, whatever. But uh, he had 79 at-bats, though, in 2022, and he batted 215. I mean, he's a guy you could put anywhere, really, in the outfield. And he's been in, like, the farm system and, like, back and forth between major leagues and and back to the, the farm club throughout the last 11, 12 years. So... Yeah, I, I think I think um, Roman Quinn's going to be a good one. But I did have something to say about Ronnie. You know, he had those two home runs. But uh, he had an MVP season even in the Winter League. And not only that, the Mets, I think, want to keep him at shortstop for, like, trade value because, like, we obviously have Lindor and, like, multiple people who could play there. So, like, maybe you could trade him at some point. And I really don't really – I don't see him – like really contributing this year at a major league level, unless, you know, we have significant injuries at that position or like anywhere in the infield where he could get plugged into. But if we ke- if we keep him at uh shortstop and build up his trade value, because shortstops obviously are going to get more trade value than a lot of other positions on the field, I think it'd be all right. And like you said, Beatty's ahead of him. Beatty's, basically our number one prospect that's going to be coming up this year. I don't know about Alvarez. I don't think Alvarez is going to be coming up this year, like right away, but he, he, he might, 
you know, going down the line throughout the season. But, uh, yeah, Beatty's going to be the number one prospect coming up. And Ronnie, like, to be honest with you, we already have Guillaume, who we could plug in anywhere. And he's he's proven himself. Like, Guillaume, arguably, like, definitely out of a guy who doesn't start all the time, he is the best glove out of anybody in the league. Like, Guillaume's glove is ridiculous. He, he, he could be a starter no matter what as a – as a fielder, he needs to work on his bat a little bit, but he does still hit. I just think Yorme's in front of him, and I also think, well, I know, I, I know Beatty's in front of him. So I don't know. We'll see. But I, I do like I do like Ronnie, and I don't want to get rid of him. But if we could get a good deal out of it, I wouldn't I wouldn't be too upset about it. I was also thinking, like, what you were saying about Mauricio, like. Like I know we have Marcana for about like a like another year or two, maybe like maybe trying to develop Mauricio as an outfielder, like the Padres tried to develop yeah. Tatis into an outfielder. Maybe we could use him in left field when Canada's time is done, because I really do think that we could use Mauricio's bat, especially if he develops in the major leagues. I think that guy could be a stud. Like I think he won a he won an MVP in the Venezuelan league, and yes, I understand that the Venezuelan the Venezuelan league is nothing like the majors, but they were there was major league players playing in that league. Ronald Cunha, Jesus uh, Jesus Alfaro, many major league players played in this league, and from Ronnie Mauricio at the age of 22 to win in he won it over Acuna, who is a top five candidate every year, which is crazy. An all-star. In a yes, in a, in a Venezuelan baseball league, which Acuna should have dominated it. So I definitely think that keeping Mauricio is a big, big necessity. I think maybe we should even, like what I said, how the Padres tried uh, developing Tatis into an outfielder. We try developing Ronnie into an outfielder because, like I said, he's a switch hitter, and his bats, like we've seen, it's really good. So I definitely think that Mauricio should be long-term. And uh, like we were saying about Alvarez, I don't think he's going to be brought up this year just because of the fact that Anito's glove is honestly really good. Nito is one of the best framers in the league. And I feel like as a catcher, defense is definitely more important than your bat because more than likely as a catcher, you're batting eighth in the lineup. So Yeah, catchers aren't known to hit that well. Mm-hmm. So – I definitely think that we're going to keep Alvarez in AAA, AA for as long as we could just to see him develop more plate discipline because I know his plate discipline's poor. But I know that in AAA he's one of the best catchers there, but catching in AAA, nothing compared to catching in the major. So I definitely think that we got to keep him down there for a little bit. But Beatty, dude, like I think Beatty could be a real big piece this year for us if he could start at third opening day and for the rest of the year. And you were talking about I, uh go ahead. Go ahead, no, go ahead Zach. If you were talking about <clears throat> prospects too, I don't know, I don't know if you guys saw that Orioles brought up their previous draft number one draft pick Jackson Holiday. To the majors. He would no, he was at spring training already. But you don't you don't see that too often. You know, nineteen year old kid coming up to spring he training. Got a hit. He got a hit, yeah. Yeah, like he's he's playing really good for as young as he is. and didn't really get a chance to do much in the minors yet, but so, I mean, I think that's a good sign for the Orioles. I know they're bringing up, probably to bring up Gunner and Grayson Rodriguez at some point this year too. 
So, I mean, and then they brought Adley up last year. I like, like I said, previous episodes, I, I think the Orioles really have a good farm system going. I think they have a lot of really good guys coming up that can really make a, make a difference for them. Yeah. And to your point, I mean, the Orioles, the Orioles have been building this for a little while. I mean, they, they've sucked for how many years now, but they, they do have a lot of good prospects and, and the Orioles are definitely going to be on the up and up, but they're not going to top the Yankees or, or, you know, anybody in that division really not yet. You know, like you said, the, the, the kids are young, he's 19, like, but to be playing at that level at 19 years old is almost impossible. It's not like basketball where, you know, guys like that could go to the NBA or like, and do whatever they're doing. It's baseball is more of a, you know, developing stage because it's such, it's such a big difference of, going from one level to the next it's not like just going right out of high school or right out of college to the nba it's 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 a long process so like some guys don't even make their major league debut to what they're like 25 26 after they've been getting drafted like it's a tough it's a tough sport to to play and that's it and ed to your point i wanted to talk about like alvarez for a second how we were saying like he might not be ready yet when i saw him bat though he can hit the ball, but like his plate discipline is just, it's not there yet. And for sure. And like for a catcher, like it's a lot harder to hit. Like catchers are not known to be hitters. Like Mike Piazza, we were blessed with Mike Piazza, a guy who literally can just stroke the ball anywhere across the field. But for Alvarez, I just think, you know, he needs that plate discipline because he chases and obviously pitchers in the MLB know that. And now you have that new, that new rule where he has to be ready by eight seconds. And it's like, you know, the pitchers are going to play mind games with him, you know, so it's it's going to be tough for Alvarez. I think I think if he gets called up this year, I think it'll be probably around like the all star break. If we if we really need a catcher just to, you know, plug him in there and, and do something good, because he does have he does have power. He has he has a good bat, but just let him let him stay down there a little bit and uh, work on that plate discipline. I do. I do really like Beatty. And I'm really excited to see what he has to do. Uh, going back to your point about, about Alvarez uh, and play discipline, yeah, like he definitely chases out a bunch of pitches. Like I definitely think that he's going to be in the minor leagues. Like I said before, I think Mito's going to get the number one spot as of right now if Narvaez could maybe prove his point because I think Narvaez definitely does have a better bat than Nito, but Nito's glove is just ridiculous. So, and I think that especially with like Verlander, Serger pitching in the rotation we have, like I'm pretty sure they're going to want a better defensive catcher in there than a better offensive catcher in there, especially with the rotation we have. So I definitely think Alvarez is going to spend some time in AAA. But going to the next topic, the new rules, do you guys like them or don't like them now that we've seen them in full effect? Yeah, I mean, I you already you already saw, was it first game or one of the first games this year? The game ended a tie because pitcher violation or batter violation or whatever. Like, that, it, if that's going to be how the whole season's going to go, that's going to be that's going to be tough to watch all year. I mean, yeah. there, I can guarantee there's going to be some big moments that are decided by, you know, dumb shit like that. And, and I think that's, that's going to have a lot of people upset. I, so I, I've been watching a lot of the stuff 
and like thinking about it like you know like nobody in the world wants to see the the game end on a guy getting called out with two strikes in the ninth inning in like a close game say it's five four or whatever and it's it's the ninth inning and like the umpire is just going to call this guy to fuck out sorry for my language call him out like I, nobody wants to see that absolutely nobody wants to see that but i mean i kind of i kind of like the 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 idea of them speeding the game up which i kind of don't at the same time because like baseball for most people who have not played baseball or you know like love the game and stuff like that like everybody says oh baseball is boring blah 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 you got to understand like what's going on every pitch is a mind game you know, it's it's not like I, I understand a guy should not be calling timeout however many times in a bat, stepping out of the box, you know, taking his good old time to get in. Like, I get that. I don't I just don't think, you know, what is it like 15 seconds or something till the pitch has to be delivered. I just don't think that I don't know if that's enough time just but like and like you have to be like in the box, like ready to go at like eight seconds. Um. You know, it's a very a very mental game, especially between the pitcher and the batter. So I do kind of like it. I don't. We'll have to see how that goes. But, like, the biggest rule that I don't like at all is that the pitcher can only throw over to – he can only pick you – like, try to pick you off twice. So if he's only able to pick you off twice and he already throws over once or then he say he throws over twice – the runner knows he can't throw over again. So like, that's going to, that's going to create way more steals, which, you know, it's exciting. It's, it's cool, whatever. Also the bases are bigger this year. So they they reduce the baseline. Yeah. So like you're there also those bang, bang plays like the, like a steal, like throw out a second, like the, the ones that are so close. There's going to be a lot more guys who are safe at second now because a the bigger bag and b you can't throw over more than twice. So like they're they're trying to shorten the game, and I get it because you know there's 162 games a year, and each game was averaging like three hours and like change. Like it was over three hours average on a game for MLB last year and for a while now. So, I mean, I get it, but at the same time, like, I don't, I don't care if you do the whole get in the batter's box at eight seconds and like be ready for the pitch. The pitcher has to throw within 15 seconds. Okay. Whatever. But if there's going to be games that are going to start ending like that, that game the other day where it's like you're out and it's like the ninth inning and it's like, like who wants to see that? It's like, and I'm like the biggest like hater on the Eagles, I guess. I hate the Eagles, but like nobody wants to see a game, especially like in the Super Bowl, where it's like they're gonna call. They didn't call a holding call that whole game. They're gonna call a holding call at the end of the game and just ruin it for everybody. Like as much as I, I was like, all right, the Eagles got screwed. I love to see it, but like nobody wants to see a game end that way as a sports fan. It's just, it's just not something you want to see. I saw Max Scherzer 
yeah. talk about how uh, it's an advantage for the pitchers. Max Scherzer loves it. He's saying how he thinks that he's going to be in control of every pitch and every at-bat. Because I was watching him pitch yesterday against the Cardinals. He just got the ball and literally was ready to pitch right when he got the ball. Like, and he knows that he could be ready. He could literally quick pitch if he wanted to or just take his good old damn time. So I definitely think that the pitchers have a really big advantage. But, like, when a runner gets on base, like Mike said, pitchers only have two times to step off or throw the ball to first for uh, try and pick off the runner. So and I think that's an inning, too. I don't know if that's even an at-bat. Like, I'm not sure if it's each at-bat. So imagine you get two per inning and you're getting shredded and you step off twice and they could just keep running on you if they wanted to. But I'm not sure if it's per inning. I don't know if it's per at bat. So I'm pretty sure it's just. I'm pretty sure it's per at bat. All right, but if it's if it's per at bat, then that's perfect. But if it's per inning, that's just the same. But I, how Max Scherzer, I think that it's definitely a big advantage for the pitcher. Like the pitcher can get the ball and throw right away if they wanted to, especially since. If especially since like let's say if Machado how he got a like a, a violation for trying to call it a timeout or no for not being the box race seconds let's say if he were to call a timeout for one if call his first timeout Scherzer could just get the ball and throw it right away if he really wanted to if, if he knows Machado ain't set or whoever's in the batter's box ain't set so I don't like the rule just for the fact that the batter has its advantage but I. Also, with the like with the time, like if you're reducing the time of the game, you gotta reduce the price of tickets. Like you're not, you can't charge a fan more if they're if they're watching less baseball. I don't like the rule just because of the fact, like I grew up watching like four hour games, and I love baseball. I love watching it. I don't care if people think it's boring. You gotta know what's going on at all times to really understand what's happening. So I definitely think that if you're reducing the time of games, you got to reduce the price of tickets, and that's the only way you're going to get ticket sales because people know I'm not – like I was I was trying to go to the Subway Series, and I guarantee – like it was 300 – I guarantee last year it was probably the same price, like 310 bucks. But last year the games were going on for three and a half, four hours. I'm not paying 300 bucks to watch a two-hour game. Even though it's one of it's my favorite team versus their biggest rival, I can't pay three hundred bucks to watch two hours of a baseball game. I'm trying to watch four hours. Like, especially I don't know. Like, I don't like these rules at all. Uh, the only rule I could really like is the shift because I know that a lot of batters are gonna have insane averages. So. Yeah, the the shift's about the only rule that I like so far this year. Like you were saying, I mean, you're gonna have a lot more a lot more guys getting more hits. I mean, you have guys. Take Rizzo, for example. He's a really good hitter. You get rid of that shift. I mean, I think he's really gonna his average is really gonna go up. He's gonna get get some more runs in, gonna get some more runners on. But yeah, I mean, like you were saying about the uh the pick like the pitchers stepping off. Yeah, I mean you you get a guy that's gonna keep stepping off, you get a guy like Trey Turner, someone quick. You you're you're gonna lose, you're gonna lose throwing that down every single time. But yeah, I mean, but like Eddie was saying about uh, Scherzer, I mean, obviously Scherzer's a freak, a psycho. I mean, he's going to play those mental games with you every single time. He's, I mean, obviously, yeah, he, he's fun to watch. He's a great pitcher, but, I mean, you have guys like him who are psychotic and are going to take advantage of them rules that are really going to make you make you pay for it. But, I yeah, I mean, it's I think it's going to be weird with trying to shorten the game. <laughs> 
I mean, you have diehard fans like us. We all like a lot of our friends who we don't care how long the games go for. They could be eight hours long for all we care. I mean, we're there to watch a game. We're there to see a competitive, competitive game. And if you just keep speeding the games up, you're gonna have bullshit like the end of like the end of that game. It, it's it's gonna be tough. You're gonna lose a lot of diehard fans over it. I do. I do want to say though, like uh, Ed, you were saying how uh, it, it's an advantage for the pitchers, that, but. You got to also think it, it could be an advantage for the hitters because like, you know, if, if the catcher, like they have that, uh, what the hell is that thing called where it's the, the pitch calm or whatever. Yeah. Now or whatever, where it goes to the, the pitcher's head when it's in his his hat or whatever. Like, think about this. Like, so now you say the batter has to be in the box and ready to go by eight seconds after the last pitch. So the, the clock's going to start. You're going to have eight seconds to get into the box and get ready to go. All right, so so the batter's gonna get the pitch. The pitcher is gonna get thrown back. When does that clock start? The ball gets thrown back to the pitcher once the pitcher has once, it in his possession. Once the, pitcher, once the pitcher has the ball in his hand. Okay, so the ball gets thrown back to the pitcher. He has it in his hand. The batter at that point also is looking for signs of what's gonna go on. If he's looking down the third baseline or whatever, wherever they're getting the signs from, whether he, he, they want him to bunt, hit and run, whatever. Then he has to get in the box by eight seconds, be ready to go. And then, so that's that's against the hitter. But then on the pitcher side, against the pitcher, which might not is not going to be an advantage for the pitcher, that pitch com last year messed up a lot. Like there was there was times where they had to just resort to regular sign to regular signs and and put their fingers down and all this stuff just to whatever. So like and and not only that. Let's just say like the pitcher's on the mound and he he doesn't want that pitch and, and him and the catcher are on the same page and the catcher's calling a, a fastball or something and he's going through signs and like he's calling all these pitches and like the pitcher's just shaking him off. Like what's going to happen? Like if he don't throw the ball in time, then what? Like what's going to happen at that point? And then at also at that time, as, as a batter's advantage, he's going to be in the box at eight seconds and he knows that pitch has to come within the next seven seconds. So it's like if the pitcher's over there shaking off, shaking off, whatever, he's just going to have to throw whatever whatever the hell he wants, I guess, at that point. And the, and the batter's going to be ready for that. So it's like, I don't know. It goes both ways. I'm just not – I'm really – I like to speed it up. I just wish it was more time than 15 seconds because, like like I said, like the if the pitcher's going to have to start shaking off signs or, like, the batter has to look at signs and get signs from coaches and, like, whatever, I don't know how that's going to work out. I really don't. I, I would I would say they're going to have to adjust the rules or do something come regular season, you know, by the All-Star break. Because, I mean, they're, they're, I could see a lot of shit starting and a lot of issues arising yeah. from this. All right, now we're going on to our next topic. So I wanted to ask Mike about this. So, Mike, who do you think would, is going to win the AL – MVP. So a, a hot take, a hot take on who you think is going to win the AL MVP. For some reason, in my like in my heart, for some reason, the AL. I really think this is gonna like. I don't know if it's really a hot take because it might be like expected, you know, from, from the past and stuff like this. But and uh, as a Mets fan, I don't really want to say this. But in the AL, I just think, like, in my heart, like, I really do just think Aaron Judge is going to 
win the, the the MVP just because like these new rules and Aaron Judge has already came out and said he likes them and like we were just talking about if the pitcher doesn't really have time and like he's shaking off signals or whatever and like he has to throw the ball like Aaron Judge is going to be in that box ready to go and when he's ready to go you do not make the mistake to throw him a fastball when you're shaking off signs and you're like oh the pitch clock's winding down like I have to throw the ball He's gonna. That's gonna wind down, and Aaron Judge is just gonna absolutely just destroy people. And maybe he went off because he was in a contract year or whatever. It doesn't matter. What he did is absolutely ridiculous, and he strikes out a ton. But I feel like these new rules are not. They're gonna. He's not gonna strike out as much with these new rules. I I just feel that way. And then for NL MVP. I'm honestly just going to go because also another one because of the new rules. I'm going to go fat Pete Alonzo like that. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to go two New York MVPs, AL and NL, two New York guys. Alonzo, they put shifts on him all year last year, and he still found a way to get the ball up the middle. He still found a way to get the ball anywhere. And now that you can't, you have to play on both sides. I feel like Pete can hit the ball anywhere on the field. I also think that like Pete, is not just a power hitter. Like, he's not going to strike out that – like, he does not strike out anywhere near as many times as Judge does a year or any other, like, big-time power hitter. Like, Pete Pete puts the ball in play for the most part. He does strike out. He had problems. And, like, we were talking about Alvarez. He has plate discipline. Pete had Pete had a lot of plate or, – or, or didn't have plate discipline at the beginning of his career. And, like, over the last two years – Pete literally just showed you, like, he's he has got way better plate discipline. And with that shift now where he could either, like, try to, like, pull the ball better or, like, whatever he's got to do, I just I just feel like the shift's going to help Pete. And I feel like that pitch clock's going to help Aaron Judge. So I, I'm, I'm going to go out here and say two New York NL AL MVPs, and that's what I'm going with. All right, so I'm going to just give mine, I guess. So, AL, What do you mean you guess? <laughs> because I asked for hot takes, dude, and you give us the two best players and probably in both in both leagues. Like, what? You, you what? You told I go, me. Or... I go hot takes, dude. You say Aaron Judge. <laughs> like, what? All right, I told going. you from the beginning. I told you from the beginning it's not going to be a hot take, Ed. All right. Told you that. All right. So mine, I'm going to actually give him a hot take, piece of shit. All right. Well, let, let me let me say something <laughs> before you go. Let me read this. Let me read this topic here. It says early 2023 AL and NL MVP predictions. Does it say it, hot take predictions? I'm telling you who's going to be the MVP. All right. All right. All right. Then I'll just get. Then I'll just give mine. Right. That's not a hot take since it doesn't say hot takes. Even though I told you hot takes before we even start. <laughs> All right. So mine AL MVP is going to be Shohei Otani because I. That's a good one. Oh really? This is it a good one? <laughs> so I think it's Shohei Otani because the man's just an absolute freak. He's going to give you a sub to ERA and hit. He's going to pimp 40 home runs without a problem. And then for my NL MVP, 
I want to agree with Mike and pick the fat slob, Pete Alonzo. But, dude, ah, do I want to go Lindor? I'm going Lindor because I think Lindor's pissed off that he was ranked number five on that list. So I'm going Lindor because I know he's ready to rip. So in LMP, I'm going Francisco Lindor. Oof. So both both going with Mets as the uh, NL MVPs this year. Yeah, I, I can't argue with either. I can't argue with either one of them because I mean, Pete, Pete Alonso for an NL MVP. That's that surprised me, but I I can't argue it. I mean, it's a good point. Um, my AL MVP got to go with my boy Aaron Judge. Obviously, let's go. Got to go with him. I I do I will say I, I do think it's gonna be a lot like it was last year between him and Otani all year. I think it's gonna, gonna come down to the wire again. Um NL MVP or yeah, NL MVP. Uh, <laughs> if Juan Soto can play the way that he's been, you know, get his get his defense up and you know keep his bat hot, I think he has a really good chance at it. But just because, you know. He's going to a new – he's going to sign to a big big contract, going to a new place, new fan base, a very, you know, vocal fan base. Uh, I'm going to go up – I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to say Trey Turner for – I was just going to say that, yo. I, <laughs> I was going to say, let me get I'm a third. You, I, I like – I've always liked Trey Turner. I think he was always really exciting, fun to watch. He's an extremely, extremely good player. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I could definitely see him making a run for it this year if, you know, if Soto doesn't perform as well as he, as he usually does. I was, I it, literally, before you even said those words out of your mouth, my, my brain was over here going, you know what? If I had to take a second one, possibly, if it was between two people, I would say Trey Turner is going to go to Philly and rip it up. Because I mean, I was I was gonna say Acuna just because of how well he's playing coming back off injury, but again, he's coming back off injury. Who knows how well he's gonna do right off the bat? That's that's not saying by All Star break into the season that he's not gonna tear it up and make a case for it. But as of right now, I couldn't see him winning it. I think I'm, I'm I got to stick with Trey here. Yeah, I so, guess I was a little biased going with Lindor, but yeah, I could agree with Turner. But there's another one that. I just thought of that this could be a hot take if people think about it, but I'm going to go with the guy who won NL Rookie of the Year last year, Michael Harris. The guy fits in perfectly perfectly in Atlanta. Dude, Mike, shut up. You don't know anything. Fits perfectly (laughs) in Atlanta. Guy's an absolute freak. Like, I gave a hot take, Mike. Let's hear you give one since you're doing this. My hot take is that you have Lindor's jersey on the back of your wall there in the background, and you're picking him to win MVP. What, what jersey is that? Baker? Behind no, you. Miles Garrett. Not and, what, is that, and what, is that just a plain white T-shirt next to it? No, that's a DeGrom ski right there. That's a DeGrom there. You see that? No, but I, I don't know. I, I just – I really do think Trey Turner could possibly win MVP. Maybe I was a little biased with the whole Pete Alonso thing, but like to be honest with you, like anybody looking on the outside of 
Pete Alonzo situation, whether you're a Mets fan or not, like the shift's going to help him, I think. And like, even without the shift, Pete has made the case that like, I don't know off the top of my head what he batted last year as average, but like it was way above the average of what an actual power hitter hits. I just don't think, I don't think Pete's an actual, he's a power hitter and one of the best, but like, he's just not purely just that. Like he's not a guy who's going to strike out 200 times a year and, and hit, you know, 40, 50 bombs. But I think, I think that just going off that, like, yeah, Pete's, Pete's a good candidate regardless of my team is the Mets. But like, also, like I said, and even Zach said, you know, I hate the Phillies. Trey Turner is arguably going to be an MVP. I would I would pick Bryce Harper in there a little bit just because like out for a while. he's out for a while. Yeah, and his his uh his postseason last year was incredible. And uh, I w- I would have I would have took Bryce Harper. I'm not being biased here. You know, I hate the Braves more than I hate the Phillies, but they have they have a lot of good talent. But I think you saying Harris, dude, like. Come on with that Harris shit. He's a freak, bro. He's good. He's better than you'll ever be. Well, yeah, (laughs) everybody's always better than me, Ed. I know that. That's why we're doing a baseball podcast talking about them. Yeah. But are you better than me, Ed, at softball? I don't know about that. All right. (laughs) You can't make it a first under You can't make it a first under 10 seconds. I know. <laughs> because I know. On All sixty right. on sixty foot bases, better yet. All right, we're gonna wrap this up. But before we wrap this up, I just want to wish one of my best buddies a happy fiftieth birthday, Mike Pupo. Twenty seven, but that's all right, Ed. Don't worry about it. All right, we'll see you next Tuesday. Maybe Mike will be here. Maybe not. But we'll see you guys next week. What is that? Is that up to you, Ed?